I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the sixth and final lesson in the series, The Voice of God in the Church Today. If you have watched the first five lessons, which I hope that you have, I believe that you are sure that this is very, very beneficial information for you. If you're hungry for God, you want to get closer to God. So we're going to conclude this today. And uh, this is a very important lesson uh, because we want to talk about actually putting what we are learning into use. Now, it's going to sound like we're starting negatively, but what we're really starting with is transition from flesh to spirit, from carnality to spirituality, and then what it means to be used of God. Uh, So if we're to be accurately and consistently in tune with the voice of the Lord, we must allow his spirit to empower us to die out to ourselves. There are no strong contrary voices in the spirit of a dead man. If I'm truly dead to myself, then that is the ultimate way of silencing these voices. Now, again, as I've said earlier, it has to be maintained. And if I give my flesh room, it will come back. The voices of it will come back. But it is possible to get into a place by the Holy Ghost empowering us to do so only. It is possible to get into a place where you're in fellowship with the voice of the presence of God, the voice of God, essentially all day long, every day, where you ultimately become his conduit. And even if it seems to be something natural you're doing, you're doing it at his direction, at his leading, his instruction, whether it's eating or sleeping, whether it's... uh, Being with your husband or wife, with your kids, with your parents, with some friends, uh, whether it's some recreation or whatever it may be, you're walking with him and you want to be in his will every moment of the day. And it's a place that you can get. Again, it has to be maintained. And uh, I've never done it perfectly, but I've had some really good seasons where it was that way all the time. And once you've experienced it and you understand how you have to yield to God to get there in the first place, then it's easier when you blow it to minimize the length of time that you have separated yourself from that and to be able to submit and get right back into that when you realize you you messed up. Okay, so uh, let's talk about this. Romans 8. 13 and 14. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now I want you to notice here very powerful, very point blank statements and promises. You live after the flesh, you're going to die. You let the flesh be in charge of your life, you're going to die. You're going to die spiritually first. 
you'll die naturally and be lost. But if ye through, by means of, through the empowerment of, the direction of, in submission to the Spirit of God, you do mortify you, the deeds of the body, you shall live. So if I let the flesh live, everything's going to die. My natural life, my spiritual life, my eternal life, so I'm going to die. But if through the Spirit, I let the Spirit cause the deeds of my body to die, then I'll live. Galatians 2.20, uh, which we have already quoted in this series, is a very, very, very powerful verse. If God is no respecter of persons, and Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, then this is not some ethereal fantasy place that, only somebody as absolutely out there as Paul can get to. I don't believe that for one minute. Why would God let something like this be in his word if as no respecter of persons, it wasn't possible for any hungry person to be led of God to this point eventually? For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God or the Son of God's faith. I die to me, but Christ is now living in me. And now this being, my being, has become a conduit for Christ who lives in me for his faith to be lived through me. Now, which is more powerful? My faith, no matter how great it may be, or the Son of God's faith? So if I am letting his faith live through me, and what was the son of God's faith? What is the son of God's faith? Whatever he saw the father do, he did. Whatever he heard the father say, he said. That's simple. So here I am, Lord, I belong to you. Wherever you're sending me, I'm going. Whatever you're saying, I'm saying. Whatever you're doing, I'm doing. And by your grace, I'm not adding a thing to that or taking away from it. And uh, I'm yours, I belong to you. Jesus' name. Luke twenty two forty two 42 says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now, if Jesus was constantly seeking the will of the Father, why is he still praying this? Because dying out to your will every day is a, an everyday thing. Even the Son of God, in his manifestation as God manifests in the flesh through his ministry on earth, even that, the will of that flesh, had to die every day. In order to hear the voice of God clearly, not because it's louder, but because we're so tuned in, and to be submitted to it, obedient to it, and follow. So we're nothing but conduits. We must get neutral before God so that he can trust that regardless of whatever he wants us to do or say, we will obey by speaking and doing what he has commanded exactly without adding anything to or taking away from it. 
Dying out to self is not just saying no to self. It is a spiritually transforma- spiritual transformation which commences by us being dead and allowing our lives to be hid with Christ and God. I don't want to just die out to self. I want to be hid with Christ in God. What wonderful, encouraging things are in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read through this. I know it's 18 verses long we're going to read. But in this context, we really need to hear this. Colossians 3 verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ. I thought I was dead with Christ. Yeah. I was, went through the death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. Now I'm seeking those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. To do what? To set my affections on things above and not on things on the earth. So that I can be dead to my will and my life would be hid with Christ in God. So I went through the death, burial, and resurrection so that I could be risen with Christ. But his being, him being resurrected with him put his divine nature, his Holy Ghost in me, which is now working in me to cause me, to empower me, to, to motivate me to seek those things which are above and then set my affections, the goal, what I'm pursuing on those things above and not on things on the earth and to see that happen, to be this totally neutral conduit that God can do and say anything he wants to through it. Not in comparison to anybody else of what he's doing or saying through them, strictly not at all, not about them, but about me. Can I be fully the conduit he has planned for me to be? And he can, can he use me without any resistance on my part or any influence from me trying to direct what he's doing in me? When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Now, wait a minute. Romans 8.13 said we're to mortify our deeds. This is taking it to another level. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. I don't believe here he's talking about the acts. But that we can desire and get so hidden in God that we will have less and less of any of the desires for fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in which the which also we also walked sometime when we lived in them. But now we also put off these things. Oh, let's go to the next step. All these other things God delivered us from through salvation and seeing our members mortified. But let's go, let's put away these things too. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of our mouth. Lie not one to another seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is created in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. 
Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, compassion, kindness, humility of mind, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, bearing, forbearing one another is bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're in this spiritual body with all these believers. And one of them going to offend me that I have to forgive them? Absolutely it's going to happen. If any man have a quarrel against any, you mean here in the body of Christ, this spiritual body of Christ, there may be quarrels even among us? Oh, yeah. Why would God allow that? To see if we're going to forgive. But they're Christians. They should have not ever done that. Yeah, that's why it's real tested. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. That's always the dividing line right there. I want to be forgiven, but you don't know what they've done for, done to me. And they're a Christian. They should have never done that. Yeah, I know. That's what why the test really works, doesn't it? And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which also you are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God and the Father by him. The more dead I am to the voice of my flesh, the more distinct the voice of God will be to me. That's why Jesus said, Luke 9, 23, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny, disavow ownership of himself, not say no to self, disavow ownership of himself, take up his cross daily. What cross? Not the cross Jesus was on, but whatever circumstances are crossways with our lives that makes our life either just inconvenient or difficult or painful or uh, a real crisis. Take up that crisis, that cross, that difficulty daily, daily, and follow me. One old prophet said to me as a young pastor, Brother Wright, there will never be a day that God does not allow at least one thing in your life. It's not going the way you'd like to see it go. To always keep you tested. To remind you it's not about you. And it's about him. And to remind you that you can't do this yourself. You always need him. Boy, that prophecy was true. Whether it was a prophecy or not, it was true. It was a word from God to me, and it was true. So daily dying to self and flesh will do the following. Help us to avoid confusion between the three voices, flesh, our will, and God. Help us to avoid interjecting self into the operation of the Spirit. And help us resist the pressure to perform. And there is a pressure to perform. We're going to spend a few minutes, not very long, in the last part of this last lesson. Again, 
to talk about where's all this supposed to lead. Well, as a conduit, not a container, all ministry to me is flow. We'll talk about that. Some believe that ministry is what I do for people in the name of God or religion. However, true biblical ministry is what I allow to flow through me from God to people. No matter what gifting, gift, or ministry of the word that God is operating through me at any given time, it all functions through flow. And what is flow? Hearing God speak and repeating it, either by saying or doing it. Hearing, repeating, hearing, repeating. Just the whole time I'm listening, I'm speaking or doing, and and there's just following so normal. It's just flow. There's not an effort to it. It's not a strain. It's just listening, being neutral, letting him set the direction, set the pace, determine the con to, con, uh, context or the content and the direction it's supposed to go, who it's supposed to be to, how, how fast it is, how hard it is, how soft it is, how often it is. He's in charge. So hearing... And repeating the voice of God is flow. It's being in tune with God and being his conduit so that whatever he wants to do or say at any point in time, his conduit will not attempt to modify the content of what is being spoken or change the rate of flow or change the spirit and attitude with which he wants the words to be said and spoken. If the Father wants the his words to be spoken in comfort, conduit does not change it to a re, into a rebuke. Vice versa, if the father wants to speak words of rebuke, the conduit doesn't water it down and make it comforting. A conduit must be as neutral as possible so that only the father, as the source, is in total control. So what do we call to do? We are called to flow. Each of us has a choice. We can either be a container for God or we can be his conduit. Traditionally in Pentecost, we focus on being full of the Holy Ghost. However, being full implies that we are containers. A container can only hold a finite amount of something. Being full of the Holy Ghost means that we contain, what we contain is, is measurable. If I'm full, that means I can't have any more. So that's a limited amount of an infinite God. How sad is that? But we all start there. We all start there because of God's mercy and grace. He knows our frame. He knows we're made of dust of the earth. As a father pitieth his children, he pities us. Not to leave us in that pitiful condition but to bring us from where we were to where we're supposed to be. It's a process. It's not an event. He's not going to do it overnight. He's not even going to do it in a week, a month, a year. He takes a lifetime. Because when he's completely through with what he's doing in your life, we'll be at your funeral. I don't care what your age is, 
When God is done working on you or me, we're going to have a funeral, whether it's mine or yours. In Jesus' name, that's absolutely the truth. So as long as you're breathing, there's never going to be a place you can kick, kick, back, and say, kick back and say, I'm spiritual enough. I've done enough. I've prayed enough. I've given enough. No. I know people that were very dedicated to the church and some even to God. They got older. They were tired. They'd worked hard. And now they deserve what they're going to deserve. And they get them a nice RV or trailer or something. And they're gone a lot. And they're no longer able to be involved in the kingdom. And they're not out preaching. They're not out ministering. They're not out sharing. They're just sitting in some campsite somewhere with a fire. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Deliver me. Deliver me, please. If that's all I got to look forward to, get me out of here. Why? Because if I'm going to leave, live, I want it to be for his kingdom. By and through his power. And all for his glory, his credit. Otherwise, I don't want to live. I want to go to heaven. I want to be done with this. I want to cross the finish line. In high school, I ran the 440. 440 yards. God have mercy. That was... And I prayed for his mercy many times during practice running those laps and in a race. God help us. What's now called a 400 meters is too long to be a sprint for average humans. And it's too short to be a distance run. So the gun sounds, you start running, you run till you either fall down or till you finally cross the finish time, finish line. And for most of us, before we're two thirds of the way through the, through the race, it's no longer about winning. It's just about finishing. It's about finishing. It's just, it's brutal. Well, that's not the plan of God. This life isn't a sprint and it's not a distance run, but it is intended to be a challenge that I cannot do myself. So what is it that makes a vessel a vessel? If I can only have a measurable amount of God and I get full, and I go to church to get refilled because I might have had some leak out. I might have been involved in some stuff in between services that I had some of God leak out. So I got some space for him to get to fill me back up. And depending on uh, how mad my need is in that service depends on how hungry and focused I am to get filled back up again. I want to leave that service with a full tank because I got to make it till the next service. And how many Pentecostals live exactly like that? It's exactly how we live. So what is it that makes a container a container? What is it that gives a container control over the amount that it contains? It's bottom. The bottom of the container. That's the limiter. That's the limiter right there. That's my will. That's my desires. 
That's my dreams, my visions, my plans. Me. Me. I'm the bottom of the container. Me, myself, and I. I'm the bottom of the container. So if I'm going to become a conduit, I've got to allow God to take the restriction, the bottom of the container out, that that which makes it a container. Then I will become a conduit. The bottom of the container is me and my desire to be in control. To become a conduit, I must give up my presumed and assumed right to give a thumbs up or thumbs down to whatever God wants to do or say through me. (laughs) I've said it for years, heard it said. You want to be what God wants you to be? Sign the check. Don't fill out the amount. Don't put the pay in there. Don't put the date on it. Just sign the check and give it to God and say, it's yours. Name what you want when you want it. Who do you want this given to? Here I am, Lord. I'm not, I'm not waiting for you to tell me what you're going to do so I can give thumbs up, thumbs down on it. There's, I, trust me. If you've ever tried to negotiate with God, you know it doesn't work. He does not negotiate. Lord, I give you 12 hours a day. The other 12, I, I'm going to keep for myself. I got stuff to do. I want to rest. And I need a little downtime, let's think, and that he didn't take that. Okay, 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 Lord. How about four hours a day is mine? I'm in charge of. No? Okay. How about one hour a day, God? Can I, can I just have one hour a day that I'm in charge of? How about, how about 30 minutes a day? How about five minutes a day, Lord? Just five minutes. Can I just have five minutes that I am the Lord of? That I'm in control of? Okay, okay, okay. How about one minute? No, one minute. How about 15 seconds? Can I just have 15 seconds a day? Can I have one second? Oh, all means all, doesn't it? When I disavow ownership of myself, that means I have to disavow ownership of all of me. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. I'm not a timeshare for Jesus that he visits for a couple of weeks every year. No timeshare. I'm not a condo, condo that he can come visit three months a year. I'm not a rental house that he pays rent on, that he lives in but doesn't really own. No, I'm his, or I'm not his at all. Now, in the process, he's patient with some of that. But his patience doesn't mean he ever accepts it. He's just patient working with us to get us to the place that we want to get there. Not because we feel pressured or we have to or... It's not heaven or hell. I love him. I want to be a part of him. I want to be a part of what he's doing. And so I want to get there. And if that's the price, as Paul said, it's just dung. It's not even a sacrifice. Those things that were gained to me, I counted, past tense, counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count present tense. All things but lost. I still have them, but in my heart and life, I've already lost them. They're already in his control. 
I've already given them up. Why? So that I can have the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. And do count them but dung. There's no grief in a normal bowel movement. And I'm not trying to be crude. There's relief, not grief. And Paul said, in order to get Christ, I don't even consider what it's cost me. A sacrifice. And I'm no longer grieving. I grieved over what I had that I lost. But I found that 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 helped me have Christ like I couldn't have him before. So now, to have all of him, he's going to have all of me. And whatever that all costs, it ain't nothing. Compared to him, it's nothing. So, Again, to become a conduit, I must give up my presumed and assumed right to give a thumbs up or a thumbs down to whatever God wants to do or say through me. When I do, I am now no longer a container. I am a conduit. Everything that goes into the conduit goes through the conduit. How much does a conduit hold them? None at all. Nothing. How much does a conduit control them? None, nothing, not at all. The amount going into a conduit now is controlled strictly by the source. And how limited is God? Everything that flows into a conduit is intended to flow out also. The content, the rate of flow, the energy accompanying the flow, etc. are all controlled by the source, God. If the conduit, if the conduit holds nothing, then where is the blessing for the conduit? Oh, where is the blessing of the con for the conduit? The blessing is the container knows how blessed it is because it knows how much it has and controls, which is nothing. But that is just the problem. The container will never have more than a very limited amount of God contained within them. But a conduit uh, has an unlimited amount of God. There is no limit of what can flow through me except for what God determines to flow at any particular time. The blessing for the conduit, they get to enjoy all of what flows through us as it flows. As long as we do not try to hold on to it. We get to enjoy all that flows through us as it flows as long as we don't try to hold on to it. It's like a bank. You deposit your money in the bank. It doesn't stay there. Bank loans it out. The bank uses it, makes money off of it. The only thing you care is when you want your money, you want it. You want it right then. You don't want the bank saying, no, no, I I need this right now. I'll give it back when I get around to it. No. You would keep a bank like that. Why would God keep a vessel like that? So what's better? Take all the question out of it. Remove the limitation. Remove any idea. There is no greater fallacy in life than the deception that believes I have ability to control anything about my life. Oh, I can make choices. But those choices don't mean I can control the outcome of them. I can't control the outcome of those choices. At all. We can make choices all the time. 
You can make your own choices. You don't have to pray. You don't have to submit to God. You can make all your own choices. But you can't control the outcome of those choices. And that's the kicker here. And that if there's anything that proves there's a God to those who don't even believe in God. If man is so superior, why can't he control the outcome of his choices? He cannot. The sooner we face that, the sooner we submit to that, the sooner we give ourselves to God without restriction, the sooner the bottom is taken out of our container and we become a conduit, the sooner God can flow through us in abundant life. And I get to enjoy that abundant life while it flows through. And I don't have to fear running out of God because there's so much of him that he's not calculable. He's infinite. So I don't ever have to fear having nothing. As long as I have God, I have everything. The most important word in ministry for an apostolic and for apostolic ministry is flow. Flow is what the Spirit of God and the grace of God do through a conduit in ministry, prayer, worship, witnessing, giving, etc. No flow, no God. No God, no ministry. People who are living in the flesh can watch someone do their thing and call it ministry if they want. But God doesn't call it ministry. No flow. Hearing the voice of God, speaking what God says. No flow, no supernatural flow of ministry. No God. No God, no ministry. Everything that is done without the Spirit of God flowing through us is of the flesh, by the flesh, and ultimately for the flesh. I pray that these six lessons have been a a blessing to you. I pray that you have heard the rhema of God to you in these lessons. I pray that God has been speaking and that somewhere in the course of listening to the audio or watching these videos, that in your mind's eye, you don't even see me anymore. and You don't even hear my voice. That all you're seeing and hearing is God talking to you and telling you exactly what he desires for you. He is no respecter of persons. There's not one single individual in this world that God doesn't desire to save and use. Not one. I don't care who they are, where they're from. He is no respecter of persons. He didn't just, he doesn't desire just to save some. And he doesn't just desire to use some of those that are saved. He has a place for everybody. In him. The question is whether or not. I'm going to get saved. And then give myself to him. To fulfill that place. That's the question. That's the question for you. For me. For all of us. So in in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I speak grace, mercy and peace. From the father. Even our Lord Jesus Christ upon you. That his love. His righteousness. His grace mercy his peace his word his spirit would do the work in all of us to prepare us to be a part of the greatest day in the history of 
mankind in the history of creation other than the day of crucifixion where our sins were, the provision was made for our sins to be forgiven. And that is the revival and harvest that God promised to Abraham. It's going to be of such proportions that it's beyond anything man could produce. And no man will be able to take credit for it. But every person is going to have to decide if they are prepared to be a part of it. That's a subject for another day. So I won't go any farther into it. But I pray that the Lord will put in your heart a hunger not just to know him. And that's the number one thing to know him. And not to, just to be used to him. That's also important that we want to be used to him. But that we can be a part of his plan, his purpose, his kingdom in the earth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bless you in, to his glory. Amen.